welcome to another audio podcast from Christchurch Christian Centre. Nehemiah chapter 2 says, In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, Why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my fathers are buried so that I can rebuild it. Then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked me, how long will your journey take and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah? And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the king's forest, so that he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy? Because the gracious hand of my God was upon me, The king granted my requests. So I went to the governors of Trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. The king had also sent army officers and cavalry with me. When Sambalat, that Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite official, heard about this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. Amen. We've been looking at Nehemiah together and uh, focusing a little bit around what he did and then bringing it to bear on us as a church and uh, our way forward and prayer and so on. Can I just say how uh, thrilled I am to know that so many of you have signed up for the prayer initiative which Heather is coordinating. It's really encouraged my heart because I believe God's really drawing us to this and uh, we know that out of prayer... God will move in power. So it's very encouraging. And we've seen how Nehemiah is a practical man of faith and prayer set people below the lowest parts of the wall. And uh, we saw how, last week you saw how he was moved to pray and how his prayer was kind of constructed around the word of God and based on his knowledge of God's promises so that his faith was being built up. And I said that uh, prayer was among the starting points for the rebuilding of the wall. And this week I want us just to really look at the statement in verse 10 of chapter 2, the last part of it. Uh, Sambalat and Tobiah were really uh, disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. And I've entitled my little talk this morning, The Man Who Cared. The Man Who Cared. The need um, which was faced was really, really very great. There had been devastation. If you remember the history, I've touched on very briefly, um, the Babylonians had come into Judah and they carried the people away captive and they'd uh, wreaked havoc, basically. What it says in 2 Kings 25, verse 9, about Nebuzaradan, the uh, king's chief officer, It says this, he set fire to the temple of the Lord, 
the royal palace and all the houses of Jerusalem, every important building he burned down. And he carried away uh, what was left of the cream of society and he left behind the people whose lives were broken and the people who were poor. The people, not of no consequence, but the people who wouldn't be able to drive society forward, basically. Uh, the sheep rather than the shepherds. That's what he did. And when Nehemiah heard that news, uh, many years later, remember, when Nehemiah hears how it's going, that nothing's been done to change that state of devastation, God touched the man's heart and really commissioned him to go, and what did he say in verse 10? To promote the welfare of the Israelites. So when God sent Nehemiah back, he was saying, I'm going to do something now about this awful devastation. I'm going to bring a change. And of course, that had all been prophesied. You can read about it um, in Jeremiah, that God would restore after 70 years. And Daniel found that. And uh, Daniel prayed, and, and, and the king of the day there in, in Babylon released uh, many of the exiles, and they went back. And so many years later, there's still devastation. And it says, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace and so on. That's in Nehemiah chapter 1. And for us, if we bring it into gospel terms, Jesus told a story, a parable, of the Good Samaritan. And he told the story in response to a question, who then is my neighbour? Because he'd been saying to somebody who was being a bit clever, uh, in response to the question about the commandments, he said, and love your neighbour as yourself, love the Lord for... And then love your neighbour as yourself. And the person who was obviously feeling embarrassed at having been shown up to be a trickster said, well, who then's my neighbour? And Jesus told this parable of the Good Samaritan. And a man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. That's how he starts. Fell among thieves. And it says in Luke's Gospel 10, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. The city is in ruins. The people are in distress. They've fallen among robbers. They've been beaten and left half dead. That's the gospel picture. And he goes on and he says to the inquisitor, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. The man who cared, Nehemiah, saw, heard of the mess, and was moved in his heart. He cared. And so he did something about it. In individual lives, we see brokenness everywhere. I went to visit somebody yesterday, something, uh, just a, a broken life. Able to talk the gospel and pray with that person. And I got great hope that Jesus will do something for that individual. We see brokenness everywhere. This week... Two things struck me from the newspapers. Lots of stuff in the newspapers, isn't there? And you could be alarmed by it all. But two things struck me. One was this. Every day, up to... I'll rephrase that. It's, it's every day 40 teachers are attacked in primary schools by children. What a broken society. And I heard this morning... That there are a million, I don't know where the statistics come from, how it's been counted, but by some organisation that's into this kind of thing, 
they're saying a million people in our nation, one fifty-sixth, that's roughly two in a hundred, are addicted to online gambling. And many of them, it says, are found among the middle classes, so I'm not quite sure the significance of that. And these are just statistics that are thrown out. And we could go on and on and on with statistics that would really depress you. But the fact is, we're all aware that our nation's in great need. Great need, there's terrible need in our nation. And Jesus has sent us to do something about it. We see in the Lord Jesus Christ the one who cared. I have come, he said, to seek and to save that which was lost. I've come to repair the broken. I've come to raise them up. I've come to put them back together. I've come to bring forgiveness into their lives. I've come to bring them back to God. Jesus, the one who cared. He certainly restored my life. And by the way, tonight, I don't know for somebody, I thought I should say this this morning. Tonight I'm going to be talking about learning through failure and how God takes us forward after failure. It's a really, really important concept that we have to have as Christians. Because my life was a total failure in terms of me and God. And he sent his word out after me. Barama said this morning, he drew, he draws people to Jesus. He sent his word out after me and he drew me back to him. Changed my life. And Nehemiah, it says, had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. The Hebrew word welfare is the good, good, really. That's, that's the word. Good as an adjective, good as a noun, good singular, good plural, good feminine, good, good masculine. He's, he came to promote good for these people. And the word promote in the Hebrew means not just kind of showing some interest, but striving. Actively at work to promote the good of these people. That's what Nehemiah was doing. Well, this is needed uh, today in in our society. As Christians, as believers that that belong to this church, our our purpose statement is really simple. We live to glorify God and to make disciples, as Jesus said. And when we do that, we look not at the outward appearance because many folk in Christ church are comparatively well off and their lives seem fairly full. And many of them seem happy and contented. But we look at the inner need. And we see Ephesians 2, the first part of Ephesians 2 is there. Dead in trespasses and sins. A little bit further down in Ephesians 2. Without hope. A bit further down, outside the covenant promises of God. Dead in trespasses and sins. Away from God. That's what we see. The smiling face, the well-dressed individual with enough money to be able to go out to dinner two or three times a week. Lovely car, mortgage paid. But dead in trespasses and sins. Many people in Christchurch like that. And we see that need. And we're seeking to do something about it. Jesus came to meet that need the inner need of man, that we might one day know him and go to be with him. He came to give life. Yes, they've got life, but he came to give abundant life, to rescue them from their position as the walking dead, if you like, to include them and to include us in God's best. That's why Jesus came. The man who cared, he came to put right the city, to rebuild it, to give the people there some dignity again. 
to make them into a kind of cohesive uh, uh, whole, to, to bring about some stature for them so they could lift their heads again. Jesus came to do that for us, to bring us, essentially to bring us back to God. When I tell the gospel to people, I just, I use my hand. I just say, we were, we were with God. We were just, we were, we were with God and then we, we spoiled it with sin. And we're away from God. God loves us and wants to bring us back. I just use my hand to bring us back to God that we might be in Christ, as Ephesians teaches. And we see this need for our town and we're not fooled by outward appearance because we know the desperate need of the heart of man is Jesus Christ. And we, re- we rejoice that we've been... David's prayer this morning. We're so blessed, aren't we, to be here. Others of you this morning were praying prayer showing that we're in such a privileged place. Nehemiah cared enough. We read in this little book, he cared enough to pray. He cared enough to risk his position with the king, even perhaps to risk his life as he opened his mouth before the king. He cared enough to go. He cared enough to stir people up. He cared enough to get his hands dirty. He cared enough to stand against an enemy. He cared enough to put up with ridicule. He cared enough after the building, after the walls were completed in 52 days, he cared enough to go back and then return another day and sort out what was going wrong in society again. He cared enough to put into what was there to sustain it. He was a man who cared because God's hand was on him to do that. And God looks, doesn't he? He looks for people. Well, we thank God this morning that we're found among those that he has looked for and found as a people who care. In Ezekiel uh, chapter 22, that famous verse, verse 30, says, I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one. That's what it says in Ezekiel. Well, we know the gospel goes on. And because there was no one to stand in the gap, God sent Jesus. In fact, if there'd been anyone else trying to stand in the gap, they'd have been inadequate. Moses, the picture of Jesus, interceded for the people. Blot me out then, he says. Jesus came to carry our sin away, that we could stand before God. So God may not have found somebody in the days Ezekiel was prophesying, for the context context into which Ezekiel was prophesying, But God sent Jesus. Behold, I come, Jesus said, to do your will, O God. And the wonderful thing for me is this, that God has found us. He didn't just rescue us. He rescued us. He made us his own. He put us in his family. He put us into his body. put us into the church. He made us citizens of heaven. But he made us fellow workers, people who care for those outside of Christ. We may not always be emotionally strongly moved for people, but we care enough to pray. We care enough to go. We care enough to strive to make it work. We care enough to seek to get the gospel clearly to them. We care. We open this place. We do things. We invite. We go. We tell. We care because God has got a hold of us as a church. We are in Christ, Christ is in us, in us, the one who supremely cares. And so when he looks for a man, I want to tell you people this morning, he has found you, and we care. 
and we seek his face, our heart, my heart gets moved for the sake of the people out there because of him. He cares and so we care. He has raised us up to do this work. And <clears throat> evidentially you care. You're, involved, you're getting yourselves involved in this praying. Because we're conscious that though we've sought and told and invited and sown and, yes, and prayed, more needs to be done to draw them to Jesus Christ. And so we're going to be doing our part as we have been, but increasing way. So Christ in us prepares our hearts. The Holy Spirit at times shares with us something of the compassion of God for those who don't know him. He opens our eyes to see the depth of the need. And, it, and Nehemiah did something about it, and he's, God's got us, and we do something about it. We'd like, perhaps, to do more, to see more, but God's got hold of us. As we get nearer, well, about halfway through Nehemiah, chapter 6 is roughly halfway through. Um, I read last week, <clears throat> verse 15, the wall was completed. So the wall was completed on the 25th day of Elul. In 52 days, the sixth Jewish month, the wall was completed. God cared. He promised to restore. When the time was right, he raised up someone to do that. In the fullness of time, just at the right time, he sent Jesus. And I dare to say that for this time in our nation, in Christchurch, and beyond, this is a time when God is stirring us up, along with the rest of the body of Christ, to do something about it. Yes, we've been working already, but to do more. He ensured that the job was completed. God supported and motivated Nehemiah and the others until that job was completed. And he gave them success against the adver- in adversity and against their adversaries. And Jesus completed the work his father gave. And so by his grace will we. Amen. Now I want us to pray. I want us to bow our heads and pray. There are three little areas to pray into this morning. While we've got our heads bowed, I'm going to ask you this question. If you feel your life is broken down, Jesus came to save you. And if you want Jesus to save you this morning, and to restore you. Would you just slip your hand up and put it down and say, that's me. I want Jesus to save me. And then put your hand down again if there's anybody in that place this morning. That's fine if there isn't. Yes, I can see you at the back there. And then you may feel a bit weak to do this job. You may have compared yourself to Nehemiah and thought you couldn't be like him. But I want to tell you, Jesus is in you by his spirit. He'll enable you. So just where you are, talk to the Lord now. Just say, I feel a bit weak to do this, Lord. Please enable me. And then finally, this third thing to pray. You may not have yet stepped forward to take on the job that God's given you. You may care, but you've not stepped forward into it. Today, will you decide, dedicate yourself to God to do what he's called you to do and if that's you just quietly in your heart say Lord today from today as you help me I'll do it I'll care
And Lord, here we are before you. Everything about each one of us is open before you. It's nothing we can hide from you, Lord. And indeed, we don't want to. Because you love us just as we are. And Lord, we offer ourselves afresh to you today. Use us for your glory. Use us to build up the walls, to bring people to know Jesus. Because to know Jesus is life eternal. And to bring men and women back to you, Lord, to be back in touch with you. And we pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.